thought about like how, um, you know, superheroes have like an origin story. Like, and so I, that was my origin story, right? Like the accent, like Dr. Strange, my daughter loves Dr. Strange. Like you get in this accident and then it changes you. And so- it's time for Backstage Chats with Women in Music, where the stories and voices of female music makers inspire women like you to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash your inner rock star. Podcasting from Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world, here's your host, Bea Wood. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. Before we get started, it's important to know that in this episode, we discuss a random act of violence that may be disturbing or upsetting to some audience members. I want to thank Leslie Nuss for her bravery in sharing her story with us. Leslie's strength and grace are self-evident in her songwriting, including this single titled Someday, featuring Pat Sanson of Wilco on all instruments. Backstage Chats with Women in Music. I'm your host, Thea Wood, and today we're coming at you from the Ritz-Carlton, Chicago. It's a sunny, breezy day, the perfect weather for interviewing today's guest. She's the thinking girl singer-songwriter who personifies that perfect balance of strength and femininity. Welcome to the show, Leslie Ness. Oh, thank you, Thea. I'm glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you here. I know it's been kind of a wild Friday. It is Friday today while we're podcasting. And um, I'm looking forward to the weekend and just jumping right in with The Shakedown, which is a great way for our audience members to get to know our special guests. We ask everybody these short answer questions. First question, who was your first concert? It was Queen with Billy Squire opening. uh, I went with actually somebody from my youth group. And I remember buying a joint from the person next to me. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay, well then, we're moving right on. (laughs) What was the first album you bought with your own money? And did it come with a joint? No, no joint. Well, like a mental joint, it was uh, Abbey Road, The Beatles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Wow, what a what a like an introduction to their music. Absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, I still love that album to this day, and I really love like the psychedelic qualities. And I mean, you know, the songwriting is really pretty amazing. So genius. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Uh, next question: Which artist or band is in heavy rotation on your playlist right now? It's funny, but it's me because I, you know, I have one EP out, a new EP, and then I have two more that are coming out. So I've been listening to them. Just I'm reviewing mixes and I'm getting a remix done. And so, yeah, so and my son likes, likes my music. So we listen to it too yeah, for him. Next question. Um, which woman has had the most influence on your career? I think it's Madonna, really. Because I think she really changed the game a lot, you know, for good and for not good in a way. Um, But I was just fascinated by her. And then I think that we, all of us women are still almost recovering from the sexualization that she brought to women in music. That was there, but it wasn't as much as it was, you know, before her. Mm And I think we all struggled to to catch up or, you know, and, and it seemed like you it was hard to get noticed unless you really brought that element to your music and your performance. Yep. So. And I agree. I think she was a leader in that understanding what a visual society we were becoming with MTV and then with the Internet and then with YouTube. I mean, it's just continued to become more and more visual right. and having that connected to our music. Yeah, I, yeah, I would agree. But yeah, it's hard too. I think because um, I think that it, like it, it changed the focus. You know, so the content was quite, like you say, a, a lot of visual, and whereas maybe as we're women, we're still struggling to get our message or our lived experience understood. If you could have dinner with any woman dead or alive, who would it be? I was really thinking about that. Um, there's a woman named Phyllis Chesler, and she wrote a book called Women's Inhumanity to Women that I read about went right when it came out. And I would, was just would like to ask her what her take would be on the way things are now. I'm not really sure if she's writing a new book or anything, but just what does she feel, think about this current climate that we're all living in? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And authors always have very interesting ways of writing about and looking at that from a different perspective. Yeah, because she really opened my eyes. I mean, in her introduction, she says that people advised her not to write this book. They didn't want her to write about it. But I thought it was really informative. Um, she, her basic premise was just that, uh, you know, and this was, you know, 20 years ago, that um, there's a competition among women for limited resources. Mm-hmm. So she was talking about how the ways in which they tear each other down instead of building each other up. Now I think like you're personifying this and we women are aware that we need to be more building of other women and bringing them up. But I think that's more of a relative new thing because it, it did seem like there was a competition and we all need to be in this together and to support other women. And, and those have been some of my best moments in music recently and, you know, just, in life, just women supporting women now. So, well, I think that's a fan. Obviously, as somebody who's doing something to support women in music, I I, I totally 
agree with all of that. Uh, our last question would be, what is one life goal you'd like to accomplish before climbing that golden stairway to heaven? Yeah, that was really good because I actually, I couldn't really choose. There's two things I've been working on. One is a screenplay. I started it um, last year and I, it was really kind of a, a story of a, a character similar to myself. And I thought it'd be a good way to get my music in a film if the character is a singer-songwriter and these songs that she's written that are my songs are fill in the story. So, um, and, you know, but that, that's in various stages. And then the other thing I've been working on was sort of a memoir of birth, um, giving birth, and just all the things I've learned as a, as a result of that and sort of include my observations about culture and society. So I started writing that a few times, but I have sort of one dedicated reader and I was kind of thinking, well, maybe, maybe that really is the one because I was thinking I should just start feeding her pages and getting her feedback and uh, seeing if I could write something that would resonate with uh, women. So getting that on the stage, that would be the big... Well, that would be a book, but um, yeah, because I've been on stage and I've made records and some more success would be great, but uh, I think actually like writing a book, something, yeah, would be, doesn't have to be a giant book, but a book would be, you know, really kind of amazing, getting it done. Absolutely. And you could do it. You could totally do this. You got this. If you can write songs, you can write a book. Thanks. Okay. (laughs) I love it. Okay. (laughs) Songs are hard. We have to make those rhyme. Yeah, right? Yeah, right. Although songs are short. That's kind of what I like about songs. I like, okay, you know, but I've been trying to train myself to write longer because one thing I liked about songwriting initially was like, okay, I'm done. I've said all I need to say, you know, and just, and then I was like, oh gosh, I have to write another verse or. You know, like, oh, I said it already. Like, okay, I got to think some more. So, some yeah, more. yeah. Well, and and in my introduction, I call you the Thinking Girls singer-songwriter. And um, after hearing all of your recordings, I, I stand by that. And it, looking at your latest EP, which is called V, and it's beautiful because it looks like a transitionary art cover with a, a butterfly or a moth. Yeah, I'm not sure which. Yeah, Luna moth. Yeah, Luna moth. And it all looks like. Spring, new beginnings. There are buds everywhere. There's obviously the new moth. Um, was that really what you were going for for the entire EP? Is that kind of a feeling? And if so, why? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've been on the cover of some of my albums and I was looking for an illustration and I found this illustrator named Melissa Washburn and she lives in Valparaiso and she was really what I was looking for. So it was really kind of amazing to me and a woman. So I, I wanted a woman, um, you know, I have nothing against men, but I was really thinking about more women. And, and then, um, I just, I had sort of like a sketched out concept and then that's what she did. I did want this V cause it was my fifth record, but I wanted the V to symbolize other words too, like, you know, victory, because I hadn't made a record in a long time. And I really feel like as women in music, we we're still fighting for that 50%. You know, I was thinking about that on the way over here. I just wanted to be 50% across the board because I think, you know, men right now see us as competition for the points that we're gaining. But if it was 50%, we wouldn't really be competing with men, right? If they would just let us have that, let us quote unquote. Um, so anyway, so yeah, making a record again was like a V, a victory, and just the idea of women, I, I want us to have this 
victory of equality and, you know, our voices being heard. It's just so important to me. And that's one of the reasons I started writing songs in the first place was my voice, but also I take it on, can I speak for other women and can I speak for other people's experiences? You know, that's what I'd like to do. I, I hope people get something out of my music. So it's all wrapped up in there. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And you did mention that it had been a while since you had recorded an album and over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Why the break and why the comeback? Well, I, I had children and it just, um, it just made it difficult. And my second child has multiple disabilities and that just really kind of brought me down. Plus both my parents died, then my aunt died. And it was just all this thing, you know, all these things I sort of needed to get through. And then um, actually in 2015, Greg Calby, who was a mastering engineer, he mastered Born to Run and Graceland. And I mean, he's really worked with everybody. He called me up out of the blue and, and said I should start making records again. And I said, okay, I hear you, but I'm not, I don't have enough songs. So I had, you know, four or five songs I started writing again because I, I started a band called Specs with some other local people and, and we started playing out. Um, and then I had to kind of think about, you know, what am I going to say and what kind of songs am I going to write? So I had to write, write, write. And I started recording in 2016. And it just took a while because it was really this this whirlwind of experiences that I had. And, and I started in, in New York with... Uh, Kyle Poss producing, and then I ended up finishing it in L.A. with Angel M., who's I'm still working with, mm-hmm. you know, my first female producer. So, you know, it's like, yay, yay. Oh, totally. I know. I know. And she knows and I know. And, you know, women in producing are still like two, three percent. So I just I feel so grateful. And it's also, you know, if you and I've said, if you want more women in music, you have to hire more women. So you have to put your money mm-hmm. where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. And also, um, Angel was just, she's been great to work with. I love the vibe of her studio. She's really good at getting an intimate vocal, which Mm -hmm. I think is really important. And I didn't really quite understand the difference between a a male producer getting a performance out of a a woman and a female Mm -hmm. producer, but there can be a difference. And I've loved all my male producers, but, you know, this was just kind of nice for me and and intimate. So, um, yeah, so, so, yeah. That's how it worked out. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I spoke earlier about that, you know, the balance of the strength and the femininity and action hero superstar came out in 2001. That was an album that I, first of all, just the name of it invokes personal power. And then your cover photo where you kind of have almost like this punch fist kind of going out, ready to take it on. Um, this was your first album that came out after you were the victim of a random act of violence. And um, I was hoping that maybe you could share that experience with our audience and how it affected your perspective on music and life. It was just like a really fluke thing. I mean, after it happened, I realized in my calendar, I had put a cross over that day and I'd written stay home because I'd been going out a lot. You know, I lived in New York city I went to the movies with a friend, and it was, basically, it was a gang initiation. It was for a girl. She was a teenager. And, we, you know, there were some words that went back and forth between us, and she, I guess it was um, a box cutter. She slashed my face. But I thought she punched me, and I was so angry that I grabbed her, 
which was ridiculous. And um, she she started she was just hacking at my face until I heard her like cut my head. And I thought, wow, that sounds like a you know cutting open a cardboard box because mm -hmm. I you know make stuff. So I knew what that sounds like. I put my hand up. And there, it was covered in hair and blood. And I just started screaming. And she took off through the knife. And it involved, like, a whole bunch of people. There were there was somebody who got her. There was another person who came to my aid. You know, I ended up having to go to the hospital. And they were not giving me any triage. And so I got off the table. And I looked in the mirror. And I started screaming because I thought she'd cut a piece of my nose out. And I just, like, freaked out. Oh. And so I... I told my friend, we're leaving in a taxi. We went, he found a plastic surgeon at Beth Israel. We took a cab down there. I ended up, you know, getting, luckily there was a guy on call. He sewed me up really well. You know, it was like two cuts by my eye, two cuts on my nose and two cuts on my head. And luck, I, I don't know if she was trying to blind me, mm -hmm. but it's possible, you know, like that's some kind of a thing. And, uh, you know, it was really kind of horrifying because I, I had to go and pick her out in a lineup. That was traumatic um, because, you know, if I didn't pick her, she would go free. And I had all this angst about what should be done to her. You know, she was young. Should she be punished? I'm not even Catholic. I went to see a Catholic priest. He said she should because she didn't respect life and she could have killed me. And so, you know, I just stayed with the case. She ended up getting just four months in like juvie, I guess, you know, because it was, was her, it was, yeah, she was young and it was her first offense. And they, they assured me that that was, you know, significant. I just didn't want her to hurt anybody. So I ended up going to one of her court appearances. I gave her a present. I, um, you gave her a book, didn't you? I, did. I gave her a book about butterflies and she was Hispanic and it was in Spanish. It was a gift to me and it was a beautiful book and I didn't want to give it up, but I thought, you know what, this is something for me. And I, I went and I told her, I just, didn't want her to ever hurt anybody again because I kept thinking, like, I don't want to be some stepping stone to murder. You know, right. like, what can I do? I, I, you know, I'm not really sure because you read about prison or whatever. Do people get better? Or is it harmful? And, I mean, I told her, I said, because she said she didn't cut me with, you know, with a, a knife. She cut me with a ring. And but people said they saw her throw something, but they couldn't recover it. So I said, you know, you owe me an apology. You could have blinded me, and I wouldn't have been able to work as a designer you know I mean I didn't think you know I'd be blinded one eye and I said I said you lied too you know you said you didn't you didn't cut me with a knife and then you know I know you did and I said I just don't I don't I want you to get married I want you to have kids I want you to you know find yourself just don't ever hurt anybody again and uh how did she how did she take that? Well, you know she was at that time I maybe she had turned 16 I don't know so she had her head down but you know, I gave her the book. I remember her public defender, you know, was this guy with like these long dreadlocks. He looked like a super cool dude. And, and he, I think he was stunned. And a friend of mine flew in from Chicago just to give me moral support. And she said basically like everybody in the room, because there was multiple cases going on, like stopped, you know, because I didn't know what was going on. I'm just talking. And she just said that like, she could figure out which ones were her parents or her mom and they were staring. And, and the, I kind of remember like, you know, the judge or whatever who was behind, standing in front facing me, um, just kind of with their mouths open. I don't know how often that happens, but they did say I could go and give a victim statement. And I just, you know, I was glad I did because I, I didn't want this to be, I didn't want to be um, 
so changed by it that it made me like a, a bad, like a such a I don't know bitter person. Right. And because uh, I, I remember like I they they said that I could go see a, a court appointed therapist. And I remember I went to see this guy just one time, and he goes, "Well, you might never get over it." Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like. Well, how helpful is that? You know, like, and so I didn't. Why am I here? Yeah, I mean, you know, I wanted to get back. So, like, I'd force myself to go on the subway right away, and I had like two black eyes or something. And, you know, it's, and I just thought, like, I don't want this to make me less of a person. So, that's when, then I started thinking about making another record, and I went on a writing retreat up in the, um, in the, uh, up in the Berkshires, I had to think, in Massachusetts. I had friends who had a house up there, and I rented it, and I, wrote some songs and, you know, I just thought I was, they would, people said you should sue the movie theater. So I got a settlement. I used that to make action hero superstar. And I thought about like how, um, you know, superheroes have like an origin story. Like, and so that was my origin story, right? Like the accent, like Dr. Strange, my daughter loves Dr. Strange. Like you get in this accident and then it changes you. And so then I thought like, okay, you know, and like my superpower is in songwriting and the, and I'm the songwriter or whatever. So that was kind of like my whole thing and having a theme. And I, I really, you know, got into that because I liked superheroes. And it's weird because at the time there weren't, you know, there wasn't Wonder Woman as a remake. There wasn't all this other stuff. So, but I, you know, I, I thought, I, I mean, you know, the song on there, um, Scarlet Letter is like, I'm not your saint, I'm not your whore, I'm not your whipping boy, I'm not your Jesus Christ, I'm not your pride and joy. And those are all like male references because I was aware that there are not a lot of female, like there weren't a lot of equivalent words for women Mm -hmm. in that way. I mean, I think it's changing now and more rapidly, the internet and women are congregating and they're, they're starting to say, you know, we want this too, but I wanted there to be like you know, all these strong figures, and there are from history, like Joan of Arc or whatever, but, you know, I wanted it to be for women, so I was just out there, like, playing this role, but, you know, kind of not. It's kind of me, you know, just as as a person, so. As your own personal superhero. And and then you followed, uh, so one of the songs from that uh, album, Action Hero Superstar, was called No Ordinary Lover, and it became a movie soundtrack song for an independent film called Indian Cowboy. Yeah. And how did that connection happen? I honestly, I've never found out. Um, they con- He contacted me, the director. I, I don't even know. And I think at the time there was just a lot of things going on. And he used two songs, actually. I think he used Dynamite, which is also on that album. He was a really nice guy and it was a really sweet movie. And I was just so honored. And, you know, I don't know if he came to see a show because in New York, you know, people come in and out or I'd been written up a few places. And uh, anyway, it was just a super honor. And, and I'm still proud because if you do a search, it comes up, you know. And I know that's how I found it. Oh, really? <laughs> That's, yeah, that's how I, mean, I found it. You know, it's nice. I mean, I'm not like a household name, but I can say, you know, I've had some songs on on, on this really movie and this movie. Yeah, right. That's so exciting. And then um, you came out with another album, Round Three. Yeah. And uh, I have to bring this up because I think it's so fun and it tickles me pink. You start with a cover of Eye of the Tiger, which for those of us who remember the 80s, that was the big theme song for Rocky yeah. Three, right. written by Survivor. Right. And 
it's kind of a testosterone, blood right. pumping, victory, very male, mm-hmm. you know, it was a Rocky theme. And I love the fact that you took this really strong lyric and and the whole concept of it and made it feminine by doing a very simple acoustic cover. And what inspired you to do that? Well, that's another, it was in another movie, actually. There's a movie director, his name's Derek Bort, and he's done a bunch of movies. He did a recent movie with Jim Gaffigan, and uh, he's still making movies. And that was one of his first movies. He won't, doesn't want to talk about it because he, he says he, um, it changed, but it has um, Howard Stern's wife in it. And it was originally called Hung, and it was kind of a boxing theme movie. And he asked me if I would do a cover. He'd come to the show. And so I reached out to Kyle Kelso, who was the producer for Action Hero Superstar. And Kyle, you know, I have to give him a lot of credit because he did the backing track and it was really great. He didn't even want me to hear the original. Of course, I knew the original. He just gave me a lyric sheet and said, sing. And I did like two takes and then he goes, okay, I think we got it. And, you know, and it was just really nice because, um, I, I just love that version. I think it is really, really beautiful, and it is really nice. And, um, you know, then when I moved to Chicago, I met um, a photographer who actually shot the cover for my third record. His name's Paul Natkin, and he knew Jim Peterick, who was one of the songwriters and the original Survivor. So we sent him, they sent it to him, and he said it was a nice, a nice uh, cover. And then years later, actually a few years ago, I was in Griffith. Indiana, and uh, there's a music store there, and the owner, his name is uh, Billy, Billy O is the name of the store, and he's actually the current bass player for Survivor, so I played him the song, and uh, then he and I ended up, he just started playing it in the music store, and we, like, duetted on it, so it was really kind of nice, but yeah, it is, it is, like, such an iconic song, I mean, you know, it's, they still play it all the time on the radio, right? You know, I, they do, and especially on the 80s channel, on Sirius, right. those types of places they do. Yeah. And it does. It gets your blood pumping. It gets you moving. And uh, I just think that it's so nice to have a different perspective of it mm-hmm. that is a softer. It shows that we don't have to be loud and in your face and up to actually have a sense of st- inner strength. Yeah, right. I know, because women are still kind of being punished for being that way, I think, Mm -hmm. in our society, you know. So you got to find your own way. I mean, like, they say, like, water can erode a mountain. So you can just go, go with the flow. (laughs) And, you know, we're going to, we're going to keep going. We want to get there. That's right. Well, and, and we're getting ready to wrap up here soon. I do want to say that there's another fun fact about you that I think our audience is going to have a lot, uh, really enjoy. And that's, well, you and I have this in common. We're both big Project Runway fans. Yeah. Uh, the difference being that I do not make my own clothes. You do. You graduated yeah. from the Fashion Institute of Technology, yeah. and you're sitting in front of me right yeah. now wearing an entire outfit, including the shoes and the handbag that you made. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I love it. I started making clothes when I was a kid, um, and then I you know, I took um, fashion courses at the University of Illinois, and I started making hats, and everybody all different kinds of women started wearing them and guys were wearing them. And then I moved to New York and I went to FIT and I studied accessories design and that's mm-hmm. how I supported myself. You know, that was my quote unquote, well, day job. I mean, it worked mostly freelance, but yeah, I decided to apply to be on Project Runway this year, but you know, I had a short window. It was a great experience. Um, I didn't get on, but I may 
reapply. But actually, I mean, I really got a lot out of just the application process. It was intense. There was so many photographs and they had to be labeled a certain way and so many questions. But, you know, one of the questions is about a capsule collection. So right now I'm still actually working on a capsule collection and I'm really thinking about it like I this dress is sort of a prototype because I want to make, um, you know, this basic collection that's basically kind of simple to make. So it can be made in the U.S., flattering for a lot of figures, um, you know, it kind of easy to care, makes women feel powerful, you know, because when I was younger, like the Madonna influence, I performed a lot, like, you know, in slips and things like that. But now I'm, you know, I want to be a little bit more covered up or look more powerful in a different way. I mean, I've worn capes on stage too. And bags, because, you know, being an accessories designer, I've always made a lot of bags and yeah, I really think through my bags and, you know, how are they going to handle and what's the use? And, uh, you know, I like to add a lot of personal things. So yeah, I'm very close right now to taking the next step, um, to sort of making like a proto collection that I can bring, you know, having it maybe in a couple of stores. I'm not really a good salesperson. I don't think I really need that help of, of somebody else, but yeah, I love fashion. I've always, you know, I've almost always made my clothes for stage, mm-hmm. but um, I just made a commitment. It's almost two years now where I said, basically, I'm just going to wear only clothes I make. And it was also a way to pare down my wardrobe, simplify, make do. I really went through a lot. Like if I only have three pairs of pants, because that's all I have time to make, you know, what are they going to be? And and what am I longing for that I'm missing? So I think it's actually just also asking me a lot of questions, mm-hmm. like being more present to what I'm wearing. I wear a lot of t-shirts. I do a lot of silk screening. So that's, you know, that's cool too. But um, yeah, I, I've, I've been having a lot of fun with it. So it looks yeah. like it. And by the way, the dress is beautiful. The shoes are fun. They're little metallic slip-ons that are adorable. We've got what looks like a denim bag, yeah. denim tote yeah. that carries everything looks lightweight, yeah. which yeah. I'm right. now that I'm older. Right. 100 percent like the lightweight right i think certain designers are trying to put us in traction or something because things get so i know like and i think yeah because women i mean bags are beautiful i love bags and hardware's heavy and i've said for years i don't like bags that are what i say heavy empty if they're already heavy they're gonna hurt so i've really tried to make them lightweight right now i'm working on making a, a new backpack i mean i made backpacks in the past but i want like a comfortable backpack, because that's also comfortable for right. women. But uh, yeah, I you know I have my own kind of style. I worked for a long time with a silkscreen artist named Barry Slosher, and these are her silkscreens. And, you know, I love it. She She's like primarily denim, works with denim. And, you know, we had a lot of fun doing it. So I've got that and, you know, some leather. Um, I have made a lot of like vegan kind of bags, but I've worked with leather also. Sure. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I well, like maybe, it. maybe you can, um, design a really lightweight guitar case. Yeah, I did. And I made one for my daughter when she got a guitar cause it didn't come with a case. So I made her like one, it was actually really kind of a fun, a fun project, but yeah, yeah I know I've made some belt, uh, or some guitar straps also. And, Very cool. uh, so yeah. are these going to be available for purchase online somewhere where people might be able to see your designs or we're not there yet? Well, we, you know, I I do have an Etsy store, but I haven't been super active. But maybe you're just going to get me there, you know, and I'll get there. And yeah, we'll have a link 
Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. On our show notes, and just so the audience knows, our show notes will include all kinds of links to Leslie Nuss's music, uh, videos, uh, her social media, so that you can follow her and get to know her more, as well as, of course, listen to the podcast. And that is all available at backstagechats.com. And as a uh, you know, we are a donation-driven organization that is produced by Backstage Chats Foundation, and we're on a mission to amplify the voices and careers of women in music like Leslie Nuss. And I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to come here today at the beautiful Ritz-Carlton on a great Chicago afternoon. Um, and uh, I hope that we get a chance to talk to you again later on after maybe a couple more EPs come out. I would love that. Yep. We've got more in the works. So I, it's been a, such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. I just glad to talk. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to have you here. And remember everyone, we love these ladies. Why? Because they remind us to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash our inner rock stars. Take care, y'all. We'll see you next time. Hit the subscribe button and never miss an episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. This podcast is a production of the Backstage Chats Foundation, a nonprofit that is on a mission to eliminate gender disparity in the music industry by amplifying the voices and careers of women in music. You can make a difference by donating to the cause. Visit backstagechats.com and click the donate button today. This episode was produced by Alison Holly.